Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast. Our goal is to help technical professionals accelerate their career progression, increase their job satisfaction, and bring you the advice we wish had been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Corty, at NetworkNerd underscore. We both work in the tech industry with backgrounds in IT operations and sales engineering. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to career enlightenment. So let's take a trip. We also wanted to mention that our second site, graph.nerd-journey.com, is also live. That's the knowledge graph and linked notes version of our main page's show notes that we developed to make it easier to explore our episodes, guests, and topics. Hey, everybody. You have reached episode 232. And though it's not Father's Day on the day this releases, we did record this on the day before Father's Day. And we actually had my daughter on the show to interview us about work, career, and stress. She wanted to know some things from us, and she even built the show outline to interview us. Normally, when we work with a guest on the show, we build the interview outline of what we think we might ask, and sometimes it turns into something different. In this case, she turned the mics on us and built the outline for things she wanted to ask John and me. What do you think about it, John? I thought it was amazing. Uh, it was a really fun experience, and I hope everybody enjoys listening to it. Uh, you don't have to be a father or a mother. You know, you could maybe have like a, a kid in your life that you act, you know, in a, an adult role towards uh, that child. If you're an aunt or an uncle or unofficial auntie or uncle, I thought it was just a fascinating window into what a child might be thinking about when they interact with an adult with regards to work and stress and work-life balance, relationships with family. Just a really cool episode. Hopefully we can do it again in a few years when my daughter is old enough to ask us uh, some questions as as insightful as uh, Kay. Rather than uh, spend some more time uh, gushing about the discussion, why don't we throw directly to it? Here we are, episode 232 with Nick's daughter, Kay. Hey, welcome to the Nerd Journey Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. Hey, we're here today for you to ask us questions on the eve of Father's Day. I think about our jobs, about work, about family, about career. So if that works for you, why don't you jump straight into your questions? Okay, then. Question number one. When it comes to parenting, do you think it's harder to t- sustain your relationship with your child when you have a full-time job? Why? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. I think that any time one has a job or something that one has to do that takes one away from one's child, it automatically is a compromise to that relationship. I think what you asked, though, was, is it harder to sustain the relationship? And I think that's a different question than 
you know, does it harm the relationship? I hope that makes sense. Does it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think that in everybody's life, one has to have a balance between work, the things that we need to do to to have uh, money and the things that we need to do to sustain life and uh, and the f- the family life. I think that's important to me and I know that it's important to your dad. I think that sustaining a relationship just takes time and effort and attention to the degree that you have a career or one of us has a career where it makes it impossible to sustain that attention to having a relationship with one's child, then yeah, it does make it harder. And I think it's just one of those things where probably jobs take more and less attention over time. You know, maybe at any given time, something that we're doing or somebody we're dealing with gets more complex and we just need more time and attention on that. And it takes away attention from sustaining that relationship with our child or our spouse or other family members. So I think, you know, that waxes and wanes like the moon, right? It gets more full and then less full. Hopefully over time there's a balance. And I think that if I was ever in a position where I felt like my job was so time consuming that it was compromising my ability to sustain my relationship with my child over a long period of time that I would look to change, change how I'm doing that job or change the job or change the company completely. One of those things. I I hope that made sense. It did. Cool. How about you, Nick? I tend to agree with what you said. I think that it often depends on the problems we are trying to solve in our work. Sometimes your mind gets wrapped around a complex problem that you need to solve, and it just keeps thinking about that. And a lot of times that trying to solve the problem unintentionally can keep you from being focused on spending time with your kiddos or spending time with your family. And it's not necessarily something that you intend to do, but I know that it's happened to me before and you know that it's happened to me before. And so what I try to do is do certain things to drain my brain so that when I am spending time, it's quality time and I'm actually there. So I I do think it's harder if you enjoy the work you're doing and because sometimes you might get lost in it. And to John's point, there might be periods of time where it's, it's a lot heavier in workload than normal for whatever reason. And it's not that you don't want to invest in other areas, but you have this giant obligation as a parent. You know, I have to support my family and I want to do a good job at work so that I can have money to support my family and they can do the things that they need to do, but I can't lose them in the in the process. Long-winded answer. Yeah, we're, we're good at those. <laughs> so I've noticed. I think that, uh, Nick, you said something which was very interesting, which was the process of trying to drain your brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have a process that we go, that I go through. And I think your dad tries to do this as well, where as my day's ending, I write down 
where I am in my job and the, and the tasks that I have to do. And it's almost like a note to myself for the next day or maybe late at night if I try to work on this, this problem again to kind of tell myself, this is what I was thinking about. This is where I was. And then here is what I was going to do next. Here's all the, the things that I was considering. And when we do that, it helps us to kind of fully put down the problem and walk away. So I would say anytime we are physically present, but still distracted, it's probably because we haven't done that very well. Either we haven't done it at all, or we think of something, a thought just pops into our head, and we're like, oh, I should add that to the list of possible solutions, or I need to think about that some more. And instead of opening up that note again and writing that down and then putting it away, we kind of just try to keep it in our heads, and then that's when we act distracted. That's that's my experience. Nick, does that track with what, what happens to you? Yeah. It's not like you can just pull the plug really quick and let the power go out. You kind of have to shut it down gracefully like a computer. It takes a second to ease down. But if you can get it all out of your head, then it's not as stressful. Just like you said, John, here's where I left off. Here's what I was thinking about. Oh, I got this extra idea. I actually just solved this problem. Hang on one second. Let me write that down so that I don't lose it. Or I just remembered I didn't do this thing I said I would do. Or <laughs> whatever it may be. And that means I need to write a note to myself to, to remind myself to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes what happens <laughs> in that situation is we get we get in this halfway state where we don't want to pick up the phone and record the thing because that feels like it's compromising the time that we're spending with family. But at the same time, if we don't do that, then we go through the entire time that we're with our family, distracted, trying to remember this thought. I think that it's probably better to explain to everybody, you know, what it is that we're doing. Hey, I just had a thought I need to record it. And then I'll be right back with you all. You know, it's going to take me two minutes. And I think maybe that's better than just being distracted, you know, physically present, but not really all there mentally. Wow, we've talked about that a lot. Does that ever happen to you, Kay? It kind of does, yeah. I mean, sometimes I'm just thinking about certain things and someone will like either interrupt me or I'll get another random thought and it's like my brain kind of almost doesn't shut off. And so I do tend to write things down sometimes. It kind of makes it easier to come back to. I don't know if it's like that for y'all or not. Definitely is. Mm -hmm. That's 100% what it is that we're talking about. Um, And if the thought comes into my head, and I don't record it, then it just kind of sits there spinning, spinning, spinning. And if it's something that I'm worried about, then it'll spin and get worse. So (laughs) the thing that I really need to do and be better about candidly um, is to write it down, record it, and then go back to it later. Cool. First question, 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Second question. So How does working in an office compared to working at home affect your parental and relationship skills? We need to be around other people for sure. And even if you don't work at an office, there's still an expectation that you talk to people, talk to the people you work with in some way, talk to the people you work for in some way. But 
I think going to the office, there is something about doing that every now and then, or at least getting out of the house, getting out of your normal environment, that change up lets you think more clearly. I'm not saying that I want to go to the office every day, but I have found that every once in a while, it's nice. It's nice to change the environment or change the scenery for a little bit, and sometimes it can actually help you get things accomplished that maybe you couldn't otherwise. Now, you asked the question, working in an office versus working at home and parental skills too. So I think if we're around other people in person, trying to build relationships, having social interactions with them, it it makes you miss your family because you're not there. And sometimes if you're always there where they are, you might a little bit take them for granted or (laughs) forget that they're there. Maybe you maybe you don't appreciate as much that, that your family's right there with you if you're there all the time. I do enjoy working from home whenever I'm able to, but I will say for me, stepping away from the house, even if it's going for a walk, going to the grocery store, going to, to visit a customer or to the office for a day or two or even three sometimes, is it's a nice change up. And I think that it can bring you back a little bit more refreshed in certain cases from a parental perspective. We, you know, we don't need to spend every single minute together. You know that. I do definitely understand that feeling. How about you, John? Yeah, I think there's definitely something there. There's a balance, right? One of the benefits of working in an office is that there's physical distance. So when I travel to an office, I leave the house and there's travel time for me to transition from dad and father to my professional persona, put on my my worker hat. Work John. Yes, work John. And when I come home, there's a certain amount of time that it's going to take for me to drive home. So I have to leave by a certain time and That means I have to stop working and put everything away and travel home. And in that travel time, I can take off the work John hat and put on my father hat and my husband hat. And I think that transition time can take, I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of travel. My travel happens to be a lot longer than that, but just that transition time helps to be in a different headspace as opposed to when I'm working at home where I have to be work John and dad and husband all at the same time. If I walk out the door, there's a chance that I have to deal with something or have an interaction and I might not be in the exact right headspace for that. Right. It, it makes for a, a rougher transition. Uh, and then I have to transition right back to work John. It can be difficult, but I think that because we realize that it's difficult, we kind of try to do things to increase our transition skills. It's it's not perfect, but part of the reason why I think I have a closed door and don't leave for hours and hours at a time is that trans is to manage that transition. And I know that when I walk out the door, I'm taking off the work hat, you know, or at least I'm very ready to. So I think that 
it's a difficult part of the job. And working from home has all kinds of benefits because if I'm needed in an emergency or if I'm needed even in a non-emergency, I'm right here and I can make my job work around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is more difficult because of those transitions. Probably the same way for you if you had to go to school from home, do all of your hobbies from home and go to church from home and exercise at home, like then it home becomes like all of those places and they get mixed all together and you have different ways that you you interact with your schoolmates than you do with your family and with the people that you go to church with or, you know, the people that you incorporate your hobbies with. So those transitions are difficult, I think, for anybody. And the shutdown routine that John was talking about is a form of transition. So this is this is just a different transition. If I walk out of the office and somebody needs to tell me something, just as John said, I I might not be able to process it right then if it's in the middle of the day and I'm running to use the restroom and get a quick snack before the next call or the something that I am almost finished doing. Yeah, well said. Uh, so kind of pivoting off the transition idea, would you say that being a parent or working is harder? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. I would say that being a parent is more difficult. Was that the question? Which is more difficult? That's what I originally said, but I think I would say which is more stress-inducing. Hmm. I think that work is more stress-inducing because the lows can be indeterminate in length. You know, there's a problem and it just sits out there. That's certainly something that can happen at home, you know, with uh, my wife and my daughter. But I think that because we're so physically present, we have to work on those things basically right away. You know, we could just let things sit and fester. The stakes can be high for any given decision, but, but also the joy part of those relationships goes a lot higher than work. So I think that it balances out the stress because you don't get as much joy from work. I think probably I would say tips in the work direction. The stakes are higher at home. Maybe, you know, make a wrong decision as a parent and, you know, your kids get hurt or somebody's feelings get hurt. You know, that feels like really high stakes too. But I think that because we're together all the time, We basically work on that stuff right away. I'm going to say that it depends on what's happening as to which one is more stressful. Like, what is the situation? However, I will point out that each of these things that you're involved in, work, family, other external things, causes some form of stress at some time. And when all of the areas are producing stress at the same time, it's hard to predict in which area you might be acting different than normal. If there's stress at home, there's stress at work, and there's stress at in this group of people that you do some kind of hobby with, there's stress maybe at church, like John said, in one of those areas, you're probably going to lose it a little bit or get crushed by the stress a bit. So... It can definitely compound and and it might come out at home when the problem was actually not from stress at home. It was from something else or 
it may come out at work. But the problem was actually a compilation of this family member being sick and not getting enough sleep and all this other stuff, bills to pay, whatnot. So I think I'm going to give the consultant's answer and say it depends. That that makes sense. Definitely. I can see the stress-inducing part. But so when it comes to like work stress and stuff, is it ever hard to prioritize your family? No, I don't think so. It's an interesting question because you said prioritize. So prioritize in my mind means that there's a conflict, right? I have to do two things at the same time. I have a a family obligation that requires me to do something at one o'clock and I have a work obligation that requires me to do something at one o'clock. Very, very rarely do I have work obligations that I can't just move. And I think part of that is choosing where I work very carefully. It's important to choose a place that understands that you have a family life and that that family life is very, very important to the point where it comes first. So I have people that I manage and I try to communicate very clearly to those people that if they have a family obligation or family conflict or family emergency, then that always comes first and we'll figure out a way to work around that. And sometimes that means doing a little bit more work up front, meaning, hey, you're the only one that can do this thing because you have all this information in your head. Well, we need to not have that. You need to write that information down and have it available to a bunch of different people so they can all, you know, read your document, read that information to understand what was going on and what you were thinking, kind of the, you know, drain your brain type of thing, but in a way that almost any of our peers could pick up that document, spend 30 minutes and get 80% of to where you were. So I try to make sure that that is the case for me in my job. I try to document the projects that I have going on, the things that are, you know, super important, what needs to be dealt with, and then leave a trail of breadcrumbs for somebody else to be able to pick up that work. If something important happens and I just have a conflict, then I can ask one of my peers to say, you know, Hey, can you take this meeting from me? Hey, can you cover this? And I think that's just extra work, but it's the extra work that I do to make sure that that is not an issue. Yeah. I like the idea of not putting yourself in a situation where you have to choose between one or the other, and sometimes prioritizing family means, hey, you're going to have to stay up late tonight and handle this because it's important. You're just not going to get enough sleep because this is a priority, or you're not going to be able to do this thing you thought you were going to be able to do because something else is more important. It's not easy sometimes. Like John said, when we when we feel like there's a conflict between, oh, I have to do this thing. You know, it's my responsibility to do this thing, but it's also my responsibility to do this other thing. It's hard. Sometimes those things are artificial, right? There's a deadline. Is that deadline really a deadline or is it a deadline that I set in my head? Sure. I said I was going to do this by five o'clock. What, what's going to happen if I don't do it by five o'clock? It's, it's going to then the person I told was going to be done by five o'clock finds out that 
I had to delay. So if I just send them a note right now and say, hey, um, something came up, but I'll have it done by 11 p.m. I hope that's okay. You know, then you've updated them and, and the deadline's gone away. Now I can handle the thing that I need to handle right now. So I think that kind of goes back to, oh, there's a conflict. You know, we need to take that two or three minutes to mentally clear our plate and, and update people and then then prioritize family. And I think that over time, you start to get a sense of whether you've been prioritizing the right thing. And if you're not, I think it kind of eats away at you inside a little bit. Oh, I, I've i flexed up too much for work lately and not enough for family. So I need to rebalance the scale. I've definitely gone through my life where I realized that I've done something wrong and then it I really let it upset me and eat away at me. And the thing that I found is that that doesn't help. <laughs> then I spend a lot of time and energy on beating myself up about the mistake and not on fixing the mistake, right? So I'm still human. And of course that happens, but as much as possible, I try to go, okay, so this has happened and I, this is what I need to do now to, to correct it. And, and that's more important than me feeling bad because that's, that's almost an indulgence, right? That's me saying, well, my time to, of like being in my feelings is more important to me than actually fixing the problem. So there's a little bit of selfishness in that, I think, but it doesn't, you know, it's usually because fixing the problem is not easy. You know, you need to change something and it's, you know, there's maybe some emotional or mental boundaries that we need to overcome to get started on that thing. And it's easier to just feel bad about not doing it than doing it. You know, it's just a, it's just something that I think we as people just need to recognize and work on. And again, it's not perfect. We're not perfect at it. And just try to be better at it each time. I hope that makes sense. I know y'all said that having a family and a job at the same time can be very stressful, but I wanted to ask, what's the hardest part about having a job? Well, I think I'm going to cheat and say there's at least two things. One is that I've chosen to do something that I really enjoy. So the time to stop doing that and do the things that I also enjoy, being part of a family or part of a friend group, part of any social group, it's a tough transition, you know, especially if I really am doing something that's fun uh, for my career. So, uh, you know, that's difficult. The other thing I think that's difficult is managing the feeling of obligation to the family by doing well at the job. The kind of idea that's hanging over our head that we need to provide for the family in in our situations and so that we need to do well and make sure that we have this job and have money and food and a place to live and and all those types of things so it's kind of the that <laughs> the, the carrot and the stick of the career the carrot of i really enjoy doing this and sometimes i don't want to step away and the stick of oh you know if, if i ever lost this job, then, you know, it would be, it would be tough. So I think that's kind of the two pronged answer that I have. How about you, Nick? For me, it, it stems in or it, it zeroes in on what you said, both things, but 
perhaps more so on the I want to do a good job because I want to model that that's what you're supposed to do. Seek to do a good job because you agreed to work at this place. They're paying you to do it. You want to do a good job while you're there. You want to be a good employee, a good member of society, right? And you want to do what you've agreed to do. And some people want to make sure that they're A players or at least B plus when they when they do the work and, and try to excel. For me, it's it's also setting, hopefully doing it in a way that others can see and maybe look up to and learn from. Not that I'm anybody special, but if I don't teach you that, okay, I need to take care of this, even though it may be something that I'm, in this case, it's not something that I really like doing, this one assignment that I need to do, I'm going to go ahead and take care of that because that's part of doing a good job, even if it's within the bubble of something that I enjoy. There's things that come up that are just unpleasant, right? Dealing with unpleasant people. But I don't know that that's unique to a job. No. You can deal with unpleasant people in your family. <laughs> you can deal with unpleasant people, you know, at church or in that's your cool. hobby or, yeah, group of friends. You know, a friend of a friend happens to be super, super unpleasant or one of your friends just is having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month or a bad year and becomes really unpleasant. So maybe it's not fair to say, you know, that's that's something that's unique to work. So to me, it kind of sounds like mentality is one of the hardest parts about having a job from what y'all said. So now I have one other question. What's one thing you wish you could change about your career? For me, that's easy. I feel like I wish that I'd started doing what I'm doing now a little bit earlier. You know, if I had three or four years made like a career change just a little bit earlier, I think that I would have done maybe a little bit better financially, but I don't know. That's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy. There's a lot of things that have gone right in my life. And, uh, you know, I think part of why we do this podcast is so that we can maybe understand the th lessons that we learned and then try to give those lessons in an organized way to people so they can kind of get those ideas in their head a little bit, you know, earlier than we did. So. I worked at a job for 15 years before I got out of working directly for a company that was doing something and working for a vendor that sold stuff to companies like that. And if I had made that transition a little bit earlier, I think that would have been better for me professionally, but then my entire life would be different. So it's a little bit difficult to go back and, and regret those things. You know, there's, there's things that in my life I went, Ooh, you know, that, that didn't go well at the time, but I'm doing okay now. And I enjoy that. I wish I would have done a better job of keeping track of the things that I finished, worked on, accomplished consistently before the last five years, let's just say five or six years. So, you know, would I change anything about right now? I don't think so. Everything that's happened it's been a learning and growing experience including what we're doing right now so maybe it'll morph into something else at some point but i don't know that i have a better answer than what i said 
So, John, you said that if it had, if you had switched jobs earlier, that you think your life would be different than it is now. Do you think there would be any like drastic changes, or you think it would be some along the lines of what it is now? It's almost impossible to know that, right? I think that part of meeting your dad when I did was me being in that job when I was. So if I'd gotten out of that job earlier, would I have been on the online forums where we chatted about those jobs that we had <laughs> and and uh, and formed that friendship or, you know, the acquaintanceship that turned into this friendship? Maybe not. And so it's difficult for me to say that I want to give that up um, or at least take the chance because, you know, I am where I am. There's this, I think, kind of goes back to beating myself up over mistakes that I've made. I could just spend that time instead of thinking about what would I have done or what could I have done or what should I have done to making that change today. So I could say, oh, I wish I you know, took better care of my health, or I could just start taking better care of my health right now. And I think that second, you know, choice is probably the better choice. Yeah, I, I hope that makes sense. It does. And I have other questions that I kind of been considering asking, but okay. I'm curious if y'all have any questions for me. So I have one Hit me. for the parents listening. What is some advice that you have for them knowing what we've talked about so far with they have a job of, of some kind, whether it's a mom or dad or some sort of parental figure, what advice would you give them on ways that they could build a better relationship with their kids while juggling all these other things? What tips do you have on ways that they can be a good influence and and make sure that they're building relationships with the right people in their family? I think the most important thing when it comes to relationships, when hassling a job and things like that, is quality time. I think it's very important to know each other's interests and make sure that when you have time together, you spend it wisely. Like, say... I wanted to go to Starbucks one day and maybe we couldn't do that that day. But maybe the next day, if you want to make it up to me for not being able to go, you could take me. Things like that, which has happened. But I think it's important to just be able to spend time with each other because the time spent together is very crucial in relationships. Is that what um, going to Starbucks is? Is it's time away from home, like just the two of you? Yeah, I think... Things like maybe dinner dates or just stuff away from the work environment or if you want to spend quality time with your kids away from your other spouses, maybe, or like away from your spouse. And I think it's important to have one-on-one -on -one time with no other distractions. It's just you two completely immersed in each other and just talking, I think, is a very a communication and just spending time together one-on-one, -on -one, I think, is very important. And what if people don't know how to talk to their kids? For parents who don't know how to talk to kids, that's, that's interesting. Because it's hard for me to be able to say for every child out there, because people think different ways. But I'm going to use, like, for me, 
when you don't know how to talk to a child, I think it's important to just ask them, you know, how their day went and what their highlight was. And I know some kids can get annoyed with that. But I think if you really just don't know what to talk about, I think it's important to kind of pivot off what they did today, ask them questions about what was like your favorite thing, and that will lead to deeper conversation. It's like the more questions asked, I think the deeper you can get in conversation. So I think just go with the flow in that scenario. Like any question that you have or anything you want to talk about, I go for it. But non-annoying questions, right? Try to not be annoying. Ooh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fight that. That that is my urge. My urge is actually to be annoying, to tease. You can do a little bit of that, but it's it has to be tempered a bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll work on that. I say for like if you want to tease and stuff like that, I say keep it on the down low because we get annoyed with that very quickly. But <laughs> I feel like every now and then it's like y'all can laugh about it. I have a question. I think part of what we do in our professional lives is try to act as an example of somebody who takes responsibility seriously and how to be good at doing something. Does that come across or is it kind of just lost in as part of, oh, dad goes off and does something and then comes back? Or dad's always working. <laughs> yeah, as dad's always working. So for that question, I think I would say it depends on your child's age and it depends on the situation. Because for me, I see what my dad does. I know what he does. He asked me for help on PowerPoint sometimes, which is nice. But I think the role model part of it comes out more when they're older and kind of like, I should say middle school, you start to kind of realize like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I want to be like that one day, you know, because that's what you're around when you're little. And I think as you get older, you start to respect that more and less of just like, oh, yeah, dad, he's always working or mom's never at home because she's always at work. But I feel like when you get older, you start to realize what it is they're doing. And I think that can come across as very inspirational for some people. Or that they're obsessed with some podcasts they do. Yeah. Obsessed with talking about careers on a podcast. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that not everybody knows how to talk about their job as something that is interesting. I mean, some people don't have interesting jobs. Some people don't do jobs that even they are interested in. So that can be a challenge, I think. I think we are in this luxurious position where we're doing things that we find interesting and we're trying to model being good at something that you're interested in, but then also try to balance that with being a good parent, spouse, friend to somebody else. And I, I think that makes sense when you're a little kid, maybe those things kind of go over your head. But as you get older, you start to, to understand a little bit more. I once heard a, uh, some advice where people said, like, when you're a parent and you get into an argument with your spouse, the, the right thing to do is to resolve the argument in front of your kids so your kids don't see you just get into arguments, but how you talk out and, and work out and compromise and come to an agreement. 
uh, as opposed to some people who would start the argument in front of their kids and then say, okay, well, we need to go argue in the bedroom and then figure it out and then come out. Uh, and so the kids only ever see them doing the arguing and not the, 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 the talking, talking out. I think that I'm talking about that because I'm, I'm wondering about the same thing for work, whether we ever are correctly modeling, you know, Hey, this is how I'm getting away from work, or this is the time where I have to make work, you know, just a little bit more important. Um, so over the long term, you know, I can spend more time at home with you. Would it help if we talked about that? I think it goes back to the age again for the should we talk this out kind of thing in front of children or not. But I think when it's relationship issues, I think it's very important to do it in a way where if it gets too heated, and I think it goes for work too, if it gets to a certain point, maybe it's not good to keep it in front of the kids. But I think the part about the piece of advice you heard where resolve it in front of them, I think is important, especially when we're kind of elementary, middle school, because it helps us. It kind of gives us an example of how to resolve an argument instead of just walking away from it mad. Because, you know, you don't learn that kind of stuff in school. You don't really learn that. They're just like, well, if somebody gets angry at you, just walk away. Like, you got to figure it out at some point. You got to have that skill of how to resolve an argument. So I think resolving in front of kids is good, but I also think sometimes it's good to keep it away. Because it's like when we're younger and we see the argument and you walk off and we never see resolve, it's like, oh, well, they're always arguing and they never make up. But you also have to show them that you do make up, which I think is very easy to tell based on kind of how you act around each other. And I think it goes for work too. When you're having those issues at work and you're just mad about it or you're arguing with someone or you're in the middle of a deadline or something like that and you are super stressed and you're like, I can't really cope right now. I think it's important to show kids that, but to a certain degree. And if it gets past that where like you can't think at all, I think that's the point where you need to work it out yourself kind of thing. And I think as we get older, we start to realize more that you are working it out and that how you do it, because we're very observant when we're little. I think it's I think it's kind of situational. Type sure. Thing. Well, I think you said something important, which is if it gets heated past a certain point, then maybe it's better to keep away from kids. But I mean, I would almost say, well, if it gets heated past a certain point, then it's it's better to keep away from everybody, including the two people that are getting that heated. <laughs> maybe that's the 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 skill is hey we just need to take a time out about this particular conversation and work on it later when we're a little bit more level-headed but that's something that i think took me you know well into my adulthood to realize i was a, a specialist at getting extremely heated and then even more heated and then even more heated yeah thankfully he doesn't do that very often on the show thankfully <laughs> I've worked very hard on myself. Is there something that you feel is lacking in most parents when it comes to keeping their stress away from affecting you? That's an interesting question because 
a lot of a, a lot of parents are different. Like I would say all parents are different and they're going to handle situations differently because people are unique. They do that. No one handles the situation the way you would expect or the same way as you would. But I think when kind of the stress and stuff is getting to them and like either whether they decide to show their kids that or not, I think what lacks in most is that they never explain why they're like that or what's happening. And so we just kind of assume it's natural because if you don't explain something, you're going to come up with your own conclusion eventually. That's what humans do. They come up with answers. So I think I think if parents would take the time to explain a little more, I'm not saying like explain every single thing because that's going to take forever and no one wants to sit through that. But I think if you would explain kind of why you're like that in a brief little summary so that we understand, I think that would kind of make it easier for us. I think it's really good advice. What's Do you remember the first time you realized that, oh, that's stress from work that is coming home and not just how my dad is? I would say about the time you started working from home and you stopped working in an office that I kind of realized, oh, that's from work because I was in an environment and you were in an environment where we were closer and it you didn't have, like John was saying, you didn't have the transition time on the way home that kept me from seeing that it was from work. And by the time you were home, you were still stressed. You just didn't show that in a way that I was able to conclude, hey, that's from work, not because that's the way he is. So I think when you started working from home, it was easier for me to tell because you would come out of your office stressed. And I was like, oh, he's been in his office all day. That's got to be from work. There's We haven't talked to, to each other in a while. So it kind of helped me understand that it's not from me or from family. It's just from work. Right. Because you've walked in and I haven't known immediately whether you needed to talk to me or you just wanted to give me a hug. But then if I was holding my hand up like, I can't right now, I can't right now, and all you wanted was a hug, well, I feel like a horrible human being. Right. Well, there's no way for me to know what your attitude's going to be before I come in there. This is true. It's also no way for you to know what I want before I get in there. That too. Good times. Yeah. I have a solution that involves a series of lights of different colors. Red light, green light. Yeah, red light says I can't do anything right now. And you walk in with something with a light that says like, oh, uh, I don't need anything big. I just need a hug. So it's going to be super fast. Maybe we could use fingers, like number of fingers. One is... Maybe, but do you remember that short period of time, um, like a couple of years ago, when you would stick signs on your door that either said red or green light? So it was like, because I never knew if you were on the phone or not, and you would stick it on the door and red if you were on the phone, and if it was green, I was able to come in. Yeah. And then I got sick and tired of it, so I just barged in on red all the time, because I was like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, the system worked great. Until it didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the system doesn't work when the light is never green. So that it's important to to actually have it be green. That's that's tough because you can have back to back to back to back meetings. I mean, those are the worst days. 
honestly. It was just meetings with no time to transition between the meetings. So you don't have time to kind of drain your brain about the first meeting before you fill your brain with the stuff about the next meeting. You know, imagine like, I don't know, I just remember when I was in, you know, middle school, it was like you're walking from class to class and you have that five minutes to transition. There's not a lot of time to get your brain off of, say, English to go to history or something like that. Well, imagine that like your English class ended and your history class started 15 seconds later <laughs> and you're sitting in the same chair. You know, that that's kind of what being in, in meetings all day is like and definitely can be it's, yeah it it's rough on the brain sounds like it i don't know if i could do that dude my company if you schedule an hour-long meeting it will automatically turn it turn it back to 55 minutes and if you schedule a 30-minute meeting it'll automatically trim it to 25 minutes nice the problem is just like actually adhering to that and honoring that it is only a 55-minute meeting or a 25-minute meeting. Right, because it's not like the screen share or phone bridge just dies at the end of that time period. It could go long. Ooh, that's an idea. There's an idea for a business. Yeah. Enforced meeting endings. Oh, sorry, guys. It's all (laughs) the time we have or we're going to run out. Meeting self-destruct. Just a countdown. Yeah, a big countdown on the screen. That would Big red letters force people to say okay you know what are we taking away what do we need to do you get straight to the point though that's right you have two minutes left you better wrap up because the meeting will just automatically end it's not a bad idea here's a question i had for the school age kid what are the things they are thinking about careers that they actually need help with now in your opinion instead of later when they're ready to get that first job okay so i might need you to rephrase that or how much do school-age children maybe middle school high school think about what they might want to do after they're out of school and how much guidance or discussion of that needs to happen with parents and others so that it can calm some of the fears and worries okay So for that, I would say that elementary school kids aren't thinking about it at all unless they get asked and they're like, it's always those, I want to be an astronaut or it's like those big money jobs that it's not a lot of people end up actually doing when they're older. It's just an aspiration. But I think once they start to hit middle school, they start to, and I'm not going to say like guys are immature, but I think girls tend to start thinking about it more than guys do just because I mean it could go for guys too it's just I think it's mindset when you get to middle school and then when I think it's high when you get to high school I think you start to realize more of like I only have college left and then I'm out in the real world especially if you're like a senior or I might not even have that and I'm out in the real world right yeah, you could just be done with high school and you're you're there. So I think once you start to get that in your head, you start to think about it more. And you're like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Instead of, I'm just going to go with the flow. It's like, eh, that's that's hard. But in middle school, I think it's more like just, well, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not doing anything about it. But in high school, I think you start to realize, I need to do something about this if I want this to be real. 
And then if you do go to college, I'm, okay, I got to pick something to get a degree in. And then I'm either in that profession or I'm in a profession that requires that or things like that. That's last school. And then it's real world. And then it's like, I have to have a career to be financially stable. But I think when it comes to talking about it, that if we want guidance, we'll come to you. And if we don't, we're going to figure it out. Interesting. I have two things that I immediately thought of. And the first is that trying to figure out what you're going to do career-wise early on kind of doesn't make sense unless the thing that you or you already know about a specific type of job and you already love it and you really start to investigate doing that. So for example, I knew somebody who in high school was super into caring for animals and was thinking about becoming a vet tech or a vet. And so spent some time volunteering and was kind of around vets and and actually animal groomers too, you know, just all kinds of different jobs in that that space. And I think that that kind of makes sense, investigating those kinds of things. You know, unless you know that you want to be a doctor and you can start going into checking those things out, or you know you want to be a specific type of scientist for somehow, um, or an accountant, uh, I don't know how you would know that. There's too many different types of jobs out there. And you, it's impossible to know what you need to do to get those jobs. I, it's almost like when you're at the age that you're at, you kind of have to focus on developing skills that are going to help you no matter what it is that you do. For example, designing PowerPoints and then being good at delivering them. You know, writing papers that are trying to present a point of view or give the status of something. Here's what's going on with this. Here's my opinion about it at the end of kind of what I think we should do. Uh, or here's some other possibilities. You know, those kinds of skills will help no matter what it is that you do. I, I definitely know that when I was your age, I had no idea what it was that I wanted to do. <laughs> but if I had worked on skills, then that would have been better. Than, and some skills are, are obvious because you're taking classes in them. English, math, reading, comprehension, literature, you know, all those things are helpful no matter what. It's super important in my job to be able to do a lot of reading and comprehension and summarization and kind of remembering knowledge. And if I hadn't enjoyed doing that in school, then I don't know where I'd be today. But it leads me to my second reaction, which was I do have something that I wish I'd done earlier. And that is not a specific job, but a, a mindset to use a word that you've used a couple of times, which is, you know, I was always a really smart kid, you know, arguably one of the smartest kids in the room in any given room. And I started to play into, you know, my ego was involved in that, like people saying, oh, you're really good at that. You're really smart at that. And that made me think and start to be involved in things where I would get that praise because that was part of my identity. I was somebody who was perceived as really, as being really good at something. And that kept me from doing things that I wasn't good at. And I wish that I had gotten over that ego part of needing to be perceived as, as being good at something and 
doing other things that I wasn't good at because you never start out as good at something. Nobody is unnatural at something. I've said this like so many times to your dad that like he's he's probably tired of hearing it. Like, you know, there's people who say, oh, that person's like just a naturally good dancer. It's like, well, no, that person was just bad at dancing while you weren't watching. That person's just a naturally good singer. No, that person was bad at singing when you weren't watching. And I don't think that I understood that until way too late in my life. I wish that around your age that I was willing to experiment with things that would have been good for me skill-wise that I was going to be bad at because I had never tried them before. Which is the reason you hear me say, it doesn't matter if you think it's good or not, just keep doing it. I think that's definitely an important piece of advice, Dad. But I think what John was saying about the one, I did things because people thought I was good at them. I think that plays a little into the, what's the word? The reputation that you want to sustain for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I think at any point in school, when people say you're good at something, it's like, oh, well, if people say I am, I must be. And so you kind of feed into that because I think around my age, you're still trying to figure out what it is that you want to do and who you want to be because you could be anybody. You just have to work for that. So I think the reputation thing is in a way kind of validation for yourself. It's like, oh, well, these people expect me to be this, so I guess I have to be because I don't know better. I think what I was saying was I was addicted to that validation. Yeah. So I, it kept me from doing things where I knew that, you know, I was a beginner. Right. So I was going to be bad at it. And I wasn't going to get that validation. And people were going to say, oh, you're, you're not good at it. You know, so there's a lot of things that I should have tried and should have worked on earlier. The validation and reputation, I think, is a trap. Because, you know, ultimately, I mean, from our perspective, my reputation in high school, like, makes absolutely no difference to me. <laughs> like, you know, like academic, you know, reputation, maybe that was important just because you need letters of recommendation at a certain point and people to say, oh, yeah, you should take this class and advise you to, to do things that are important. But, you know, kind of like skills reputation, not so much. But in the end, the reputation thing really doesn't do anything which I think is kind of an important thing to learn when you're still in school because, like you were saying, it you can be addicted to that validation of, oh, I'm really good at this, but it's just because people say I am that I know that. It's just, in a way, it, like you said, it's like a trap because you just you feed into it because at some point I think when you realize, you're just like, oh, well, that's weird. And then you're kind of like, well, I could do other things if I wanted to, but I don't know if I do because your entire life you've been feeding into, well, people said I was good at it. Or you run into a situation where you're not good at it right? anymore. And it's, and it's harder for you to realize that. And you're like, but I thought I was. I have learned that lesson. I still remember failing my first math class, like flat out failing. It was the first time I had ever failed a class in my entire life. And it was at something that I thought that I was really, really good at. You know, it's humbling to to not be good at something also. <laughs> and to know that you might be good for what you've tried, 
but that's that doesn't mean you're good at everything that could ever be about that. For sure. Was there other stuff that you wanted to ask us? I don't think so, but yeah, I think I'm All good. Right. I think I learned a lot. I think I'm good. I learned a lot too. Great. I've really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I can't wait to have it with my daughter when she's your age and she's willing to have it. That's right. Maybe that'll be around episode 1000. Maybe. (laughs) Thanks a lot for your time and your questions. You're welcome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was a glimpse inside the mind of a 13-year-old at the time of this recording. I found it pretty interesting. Based on the question, is working or being a parent harder, that is indicative of a perception of difficulty. So to me, it means that she sees that there's something possibly difficult about both of those things. Right. And there is. (laughs) Yeah, of course. There's easy times and difficult times for for both being a parent and and working. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you don't realize that your kids see that, that it's hard for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was a bit of a realization for me after the fact. Oh, I didn't realize she noticed that it was hard for me sometimes. I think that was my, I would say, meta observation listening back to the episode was, of course, it was interesting to listen to her questions and try to come up with answers in real time. But listening back, my experience was it's very interesting to hear what questions she has because that kind of gives insight into what is going on in her mind and and what she's concerned about and is wondering about what is difficult, you know, and not just like which is more difficult, but like what's hard about this, what's difficult about that, you know, those kinds of questions are very revealing when you're talking about a 13-year-old, somebody who's obviously awakened into perception about, you know, other people. Other people are real people and their lives might have difficulties that don't actually involve me. Yeah. And that my parents have priorities and it might be really hard for them to prioritize different things in their life, especially as we talked about, if there's any kind of conflict, which we hope there's not, but inevitably there will be some. Inevitably in real life, there's always conflict, right? So again, which is harder, this or that? You know, how do you prioritize when there's a conflict between this and that? You know, how do you, you know, make this important? Just really fascinating questions. It could be taken two ways, like, hey, dad, can you be better at that? (laughs) Which is not how I took it. I kind of took it as I'm looking forward in my life and I don't understand how these decisions are made. And so I'm looking to you to get some insight into like what your thinking is on these processes and, and how you make those decisions. And, and that is kind of mind blowing. Again, when I listen back to it in that context, I, it was, like I said, mind blowing. And it's important to also state 
while I did say in the intro, she she made the list of questions she was going to ask and gave it to us in advance. We did not do that for her. So any question we asked was on the spot. We did not tell her what we were going to ask in advance. So kudos to her for being cool with just answering some stuff off the cuff. I mean, the average person would not like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I had some questions about, you know, what could we do to better model, to better explain. I think that kind of led into like a response about giving better context. Is that something that you remember? Context around maybe why you seem off today or why you're having a hard time being present. And I think in a way this leads to we need to be more self-aware of the way we're acting when we're not at work. Are are we Mm. with our families? Are we paying attention to how present we are? Can you look back on a moment and see, oh, you know what? I really wasn't mentally there because I was thinking about this work project that wasn't finished or I have a tight deadline or it was hard for me to listen to what they said. And there's nothing wrong with saying, listen, I'm really sorry. I, I heard everything you just said and I was trying to listen, but I'm having a hard time because I keep thinking about this work problem that I can't shut down. Yeah. I haven't been able to fully put it down. And I think after this discussion, it kind of might be a little bit more clear what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just thought that that was super insightful because, of course, it's always helpful to know why somebody is acting the way they are if it's out of the norm. Sure. Right. Why am I grumpy? Maybe I need to tell the people around me why I'm grumpy. Maybe I need to tell the people around me that I didn't get enough sleep. And so I might be a touch slow today. You know, those are the kinds of things that, of course, I want from other people. And of course, we should be communicating that way with our kids as well. Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm feeling a little bit off today. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll do my best, but it's probably not going to be as good as the very best that I've ever done. And maybe if we can model that with our kids, when they get older and they see somebody have an off day, they'll try and give them the benefit of the doubt and just think, oh, you know what? Maybe they didn't get enough sleep. Maybe there's something else going on instead of assuming the worst. Right. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with me. It could be that person living living their inner life that doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm-hmm. And certainly it's not pleasant to be around somebody who's grumpy, but you know, maybe they're grumpy. There's something going on that's causing them to be grumpy. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And they're not normally this grumpy. Therefore, you know, I just need to give them some space and, and maybe they'll talk about it later. But also, maybe if we model that discussing our context, then they, our kids, will start to do that as well. Sorry, Dad. You know, my homework is kind of weighing heavily on me. So it's not, you know, I'm not paying as good attention to what you're saying as I could. I think that would be a really good outcome. And it is just something that we should do with everybody in our lives now that I think about it. Right? We have to learn how to do that first. You know, thinking back, you're you're going, huh, do I remember if my parents actually did this for me or did they just seem grumpy? Maybe they just seem grumpy. Now I get a little bit more about why they might have been 
on the surface appearing grumpy. I definitely have to say that I try not to live my life as a reaction against my parents and the things that they might have done wrong, because then I can't do better at the things that I didn't witness at all. So I almost just say, like, this is something I need to do objectively, whether or not my parents were good at it. You know, I know that I'm not, so I need to work on it. I, I get your point. I get your point, because as you become an adult and have kids or have to deal with kids, you suddenly realize, oh, wait, the people in my life who were adults when I was a child weren't perfect. You know, they were just human beings trying to deal with what was going on. And I don't necessarily know anything about the context that they were trying to live their life in. Maybe I'd give them a little bit more of a break than than I did as a as a child. I like that. Maybe that's just a me thing because I was so judgmental. <laughs> was? Were? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm self aware now and I'm working on it. Aren't we all? <laughs> well, for all you parents out there, I hope you've learned the lesson. Talk to your kids about career or someone else will. <laughs> hey, before we get out of here, I just the question that kind of stumped me, I think, in the moment was, what do you wish you could change? That was a hard one. Yeah, I think that I eventually did get there, but it was really nice to be asked that question and have to give a thoughtful answer, you know, one that made sense. And having to explain that to a 13-year-old is a different experience than negative self-talk, right? <laughs> which is like, if only you had done this, if only you had studied better for this specific exam, mm -hmm. if only you had, you know, like none of that is really relevant when you're trying to explain your life and career to a 13-year-old. You know, it's, you have to come up with something a little bit more thematic, right? Sure. Or when it's your own kid and they ask you that, you're like, okay, I got to come up with something that doesn't make me sound like I don't know <laughs> and doesn't make me sound like a dummy. <laughs> what, what should I say? <laughs> oh, my God. And I got to think of it quick because I, you know, I can only stall for like a few seconds. Yeah, you can only say, oh, that's a really good question so many times before people realize that that's, that's one of your stalling tactics. Uh, just edit all those out. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we get out of here, Nick? Yeah, let's get out of here. We'll catch you next time. Just a reminder, we'd like people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter, at NerdJourney. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman for Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios.